0: Scouser podcast one of our spotlight podcasts for the official liverpool supporter clubs and today we have nashville and we have the vice presidents of the club in nashville chris Unick with us chris welcome hey good afternoon uh thanks for joining us uh i guess we'll start with you as always we do with these podcasts kind of like get a bit background about you in terms of like when you became a liverpool fan
1: and what made you become a liverpool fan for starters yeah, no problem. But with that uh, intro you got there, did you come up with that little techno beat to ride along with? You'll never walk alone, too. Who came up with that? Ah, man, actually,
0: I don't know. That's like a double sword edge
1: question. There. Like, do I say yes and take credit for it? So, did you like it? So, let me ask that first. I've got a couple of glow sticks twirling right now. As <laughs> you know, actually, the funny the funny story had that, let me tell you that real quick. I have a friend, actually, who we were talking
0: about making an intro for the podcast for the longest time, but nobody's uh, skilled enough, I should say. Uh, But one of my friends from back home in high school posted something on Facebook saying, hey, I'm bored. If somebody wants anything with music, let me know. And I was like, dude, here's what we want. And I just gave him a couple of clips, like samples, you know, that you'll never walk alone, a couple of like the goals, stuff and stuff like that. And I was like, hey, do your thing. And then he came up with it. I know the beginning kind of starts like an old 80s training video, but I think it gets pretty (laughs) cool towards the
1: end. (laughs) No, no, it's great, man. I appreciate it. So basically, my journey into Liverpool, it's it's not as emotional. Uh, it's not, you know, through family. It's not through lineage. It's not through geography. Mine's really as base as it comes. I grew up in New England, and my mom, uh, for a long time, had a relationship with an Irish gentleman. Uh, so we took some trips to Ireland back when I was in high school. Uh, upon visiting Dublin, I remember going into a sporting goods store. And my 16 year old mind at the time wanted anything to make me look cooler than I was, I guess. And I saw this bright red and white collared jersey with a beer on it and thought, hey, that looks like something I could wear and maybe somebody will think I'm worldly. And it didn't happen, but that's where the start pretty much came. After that, and I went home, you know, Nintendo 64 was big. Uh, We were playing FIFA, playing World Cup 98, I believe. And every time I got the opportunity, I would play with England. Sadly, Michael Owen. uh, A lot of Michael Owen back in those days. (laughs) Um, Gerard, Fowler, anybody I could pick up that I had, you know, heard about being a Liverpool player. Those were my teams. Uh, I really didn't start following Liverpool again, sadly, until about 2011. So I missed... The good times of Istanbul. I've got two daughters, and I started coaching their soccer teams. Um, and when I was coaching, I was doing a lot of research for actually trying to be a good coach, looking at tactics for and practice schedules for U3, U4, U5, you know, just trying to keep all these kids engaged. But at the same time, uh, Fox was just starting to show a lot more um, Premier League over here, and Kenny was the coach. We had just signed some guy named Luis Suarez. We had signed a couple other big ticket guys uh, by the name of Downing, Carroll, had some other blokes on there that I started to pick up an interest in like Glenn Johnson. And it really started back wholeheartedly about 2011 with that team and just watching us go through some of those troubled times. But like I said, I'm really a misery loves company kind of guy. And (laughs) stuck with it and now we're kind of relishing in the uh fruits of our spoils and we've kind of left that in the past but um no it's been a ride I just um there's just something about this club man there's just something about this club that draws you to it and like I said for me it was very shallow at the beginning it was it was really out of nothing I can't claim to be a, a scouse in more than you know the tattoos on my hands and arms but that's what I've got. That's where I made my bed, and I will lie in it, and I will die in it, and you know, scouts till I die. Yeah, I mean, that's one
0: thing I think about the club, and I talk about it all the time. I know, I mean, you've been through the dark years, and there were some pretty dark years in there. I mean, the, you, I mean, the names you mentioned are like kind of like the highlights. I can, as you mentioned, names. I think of players who play with them, and it's kind of like a dark picture. But, um, but I think you know, like with the recent success, obviously you get like a lot of new. I mean, either bandwagon fans or we're a fun team to watch. I mean, our brand of football is fun to watch. So there are a lot of newer fans as well. And I think, you know, once you get those fans engaged with, you know, our history and what the club actually means, I think you have, like, fans for life. And that's why, you know, these sport clubs, I think that's why they're golden to kind of, like, bring him into that community and, like, teaching more about the club.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why I will never judge somebody on how they came to Liverpool if, if if you come to Liverpool and you know kind of abide by the unwritten rules where you have just one team please God just have one team I don't want to hear you rooting about another team you know even if it's another team in Italy or France I, that's you know something that kind of you know doesn't resonate so well in me But, you know, knowing how I came to it, knowing how others have come through it, whether it's through some kind of tragic outlier like Hillsborough, you know, that that really resonated with people and kind of drew them to not only how phenomenal the club was, but phenomenal the town and the city is, right? I mean, this is a city with, I mean, the history, when you read about the city and what it was going through in the late 1800s and how football came in and how... People of that city, you know, there there were all these clubs and there was these urchins on the street and these poor people and these people in pubs, and then these Protestants and other things going on, religion, you know, classes, politics. it's it, it's crazy. like this this city that we have grown to love can just be a magnet all by itself. You have people that come to the club just because they like the Beatles for God's sakes. I mean, <laughs> w- whatever gets you here, I don't care. Just come here. And, you know, just be a part of the good, be a part of the bad and own it because, you know, there's so much there to, you know, kind of identify with so much of the human experience that, I mean, how could you not, you know? When I was getting back into the club in, you know, like I said, 2010, 2011, around then, you know, we we were, you know, on the, on the way down and there was every opportunity for me to, you know, yeah latch on to something else but uh you know it was just something with the club it was something with kenny it was something with the people that were brought in and but a lot of it had to do with the history and just you know the people the legends you know the stories and the glory it was uh it was just something that you know i was just waiting for that day where we would get back to that you know and uh man we're almost there we're almost there
0: yeah, I think that's why it's so interesting to hear. I mean, you know, having been, you know, once I started American Scotser and started talking to people, especially here in the U.S., you hear a thousand different stories of how people became fans. And like you're saying, like, I don't care if you've been a fan six months, nine months, six years, nine years, you you'll live right next to Anfield. It doesn't matter as long as I think once you kind of like the club, Once you start learning about it and once you fall in love, the record does not really even matter. I mean, there are fans who fell in love with this club in the dark, you know, what we were talking about, like the darker years, you know, like, you know, not the best team, not the best, you know, success on the field and stuff. But, you know, they learned about the club. And the more you learn, it almost feels like the more you fall in love with it. Um, So let me start with the Sporter Club then. So you said around 2011, and that's kind of like how you kind of like started the Sporter Club around those years? So, yeah,
1: we got to give a lot of credit to Facebook in the social media age, as though, you know, I I hate to say it. I mean, I feel like a 40-year-old man with two teenage daughters. But, um, you know, social media really got us going. We have a very large immigrant population here in Nashville. We've got a very large uh, soccer, you know, just fan base, From all different regions. It's crazy. I mean, Nashville had a pro team uh, back in the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s with the Nashville metros. And right now they're getting going with uh, uh, an NSL team that's about to be an MLS team here in the next year or so. So there's always been a pretty good fan base of soccer here in Nashville for the last 20 to 30 years whether people knew about it or not there were, there was always people here that loved the sport so when facebook came around there was a group that started up on facebook called the mid 10 middle tennessee uh, premier league fan group and it was where everybody could just go on facebook and talk crap about everybody else's teams and Like I said, through those first early years, it was a lot of us getting a lot of the flack from the Chelsea guys, from the Manchester United guys, even from Arsenal guys back then about, you know, how we're always living in the past and whatnot. And uh, for a time we were, but it gave us that kind of meeting place to not only do things like that, but then take that and say, okay, guys, you know, we like talking shit or whatever. Let's, Let's go and meet at this pub and let's go, you know, just hang out and have a beer. So we started hanging out with all these guys and they already had supporters clubs in Nashville. Uh, The Chelsea Music City Blues were already here. Uh, Manchester United fans of Middle Tennessee were already here. The Nashville Gunners. um, And uh, there's a Spurs group here as as well. Um, And a couple others, West Ham and some others that I'm probably forgetting. But anyways, we started getting together kind of like that because we didn't have our own bar uh, six, seven years ago. So we were, Kind of using their bars when we felt comfortable enough to go in and try and, you know, cause a little bit of hell in there and just have a good time and just, you know, enjoy it for what it was, because we didn't have more than like six to 12 of us that would meet irregularly. Um, So our president, uh, Jonathan, who couldn't make the call tonight, sends his regards, and I'm sure he'd like to do something like this in the future. He's actually the Nashville president of the American Outlaws. And they already had a bar here in town uh, that was owned by the ownership group that owned a Irish pub uh, chain called Dan McGinnis. Um, so that's where the outlaws met. That's where the early uh, Spurs fans met. So we would watch some games there, but there was also a group about 20 to 30 minutes outside of town that met at another Dan McGinnis, And that's where the Manchester United fans met. So after a while, um we just started getting comfortable with these groups and comfortable with these guys and believe it or not we shared a pub with the manchester united middle tennessee supporters group for a good two to three years unofficially uh before we made our first move to our own place um and it led to many exciting early mornings afternoons uh, and games Uh, but it also led to a little bit of conflict here and there which was you know, fun at the time. But like I said, you know, we we really wanted to start growing this group and we wanted to start doing something with it. And we wanted to not only be these guys and have our own clubs and have our own quote unquote clubhouse, but we wanted to get out and make it as big as we can. We wanted to make Nashville red and let them know who the true supporters were. So after a while, um, we started kind of going behind, you know, the bars back and try to figure out where could we get our own place. Because up to that point, we had started becoming a real, you know, business for them. We had started bringing them money um, that they weren't seeing from some of the other supporters groups, to be honest. I think we kind of started bringing more money than that Manchester United group. And so we were a um, big club to lose and it ruffled a few feathers. It wasn't the smoothest of transfers, but... We found a restaurant uh, right out in uh, downtown Nashville and um, spent about six months there before that fell apart. Uh, we learned some things, but uh, it was a great growing experience. And now we're at where are we at, where we have uh, a whole second floor of a giant restaurant to ourselves. We've got our run of the place. We're allowed to decorate it however we wish. We are allowed to be as loud and rambunctious as we wish. And we get a lot of benefits from being there. And, you know, that kind of decision to take it to the next step and take it to the next level, it's never an easy one. It's never an easy one for anybody, you know, if they know how much work goes into this. Because sometimes you end up burning some bridges, but, you know, you've got to kind of make that sacrifice to move forward.
0: And that's what I wanted to ask when you said, you know, like things you learned along the way, because I, you know, As I talk to different like supporter Claws, that seems to be the biggest challenge is finding a location. I mean, mainly due to the times, you know, the games are being played, you know, over in the U.S. But like, what are some things that you learn? Like if somebody out there is trying to find a location so they can, you know, kind of like do what you guys did. What are some things they should be looking for? What are some things that they should be avoiding?
1: So first off, like I said, it helps when you have people within your core, within your group that are in the industry, whether it's uh, they're in the bar industry and they've got a lot of connections because um, they do maintenance work, they do distribution, they do whatever. It's it, Everything's all about networking. And I know I jumped over a bunch of things going basically from, hey, we met on a Facebook group and then, hey, we got a bar. But you, know, you start with the social media, And you start to get people talking. You start to talk to people when you're out. That's the biggest thing. You know, when you're at the bars or when you see somebody in a Liverpool shirt, or if you see somebody in a Premier League shirt, you see somebody in a soccer shirt, you see somebody with a friggin' soccer ball in an area that you don't really expect that, you know, chat them up. Ask them what they do. Do they play in adult leagues around town? Do they coach for their kids' club soccer team? do they just watch sporadically would they like to come out and you know see what the atmosphere is like a lot of that is a lot of the work that goes into this just having people in your group that like talking to people that you know like talking about the game that you know are out playing with their kids or out playing with other adults because that's how a lot of the networking I and my guys do We're out playing, we're out coaching, we're out doing this, that, and the other. And then that kind of just leads to where these things go. So when you're trying to make a decision of, you know, do we go and become an official soccer club? Well, I don't know if it's official. I can't remember in the handbook, but it's always a good thing to have your own place. I thought that was something that was a bylaw required, but i'm not sure so when we're looking for our own place we have all these guys networking we have all these guys that have these connections and we just start talking to them i know a bunch of restaurateurs this guy knows a bunch of bartenders and you have these numbers built up and you start to say hey you know here's some pictures here's some you know facebook activity for this game this big cup game we brought out a couple hundred people we brought out this many people on a early Sunday morning before the NFL starts, if you want to get one bartender in there to serve drinks to these guys, and there's only like 20 to 40 of them, but, you know, they'll run good tabs, they tip well, we don't even need food. It's things like that that you're you're going to experience and that you start to really quantify and capture. You've got to sell yourself as to be some kind of revenue stream that these people are not reaching or, they have a, a kind of gap at their place to where they can let you in to spend that money that's not being spent. You know, I've heard people talk about here how, you know, certain towns are big football towns, college football towns. And that's a real thing that you've got to deal with in America, you know. Um, but the good thing we have working for us in the Premier League is that we've got early kickoffs for the most part. It's usually on Saturday, so you might run up against a college football game. Sunday might run up across a, you know, early NFL game. But besides that, what are we running into? You know, you've got afternoon cup games, you're traveling to Europe, you've got uh, late season, you know, Friday, Monday and Tuesday games and all this stuff. It's about making these connections and selling somebody on opening their doors to you. That's, That's pretty much what you're doing. So when I talked about the first bar, the first bar we got on our own, was a um a minority and a majority ownership deal to where there were multiple owners involved they were trying to get out of debt they weren't really established and they had trouble making up their mind on what they wanted to do so after six months they were in flux and they let us know and they're like we're going to close indefinitely we're trying to figure out what we're going to be and i'm like well unfortunately for us that's not going to work for us because now that we've become an official club we've done all this and we've proved that we can offer this to a restaurant, you know, there's people kind of not beating down your door, but there literally was people wanting us to come and be at their bar. So luckily in Tennessee, we've got a a great ownership group that um, owns this hot chicken restaurant called Party Fowl. And they're not only in Nashville, but they're in uh, Murfreesboro, where we've got another Liverpool group out there. Shout out to JD and those guys. and they're opening other restaurants, and they're locally based. They've got a lease at the place that we go and watch games for 20 years, and they're not looking to sell to anybody. So again, those things that we learn, those behind the scenes things, those can really help people out. But again, you kind of got to treat this like a business and what you're trying to sell somebody. What, what are the goods we're selling? Well, we're selling you our money, our loyalty, and our time and we're going to make it worth your while so that's kind of some of the stuff behind the scenes that we've you know kind of learned and grown from but um we're really reaping the war rewards in the place we are right now because they understand that and you know i think any kind of business owner is going to respond to honesty
0: And I think, I mean, in most cases, if I know if I owned a bar, I think it's like a great revenue. I uh, mean, in a time that you would be closed, first of all, <laughs> and yep, yeah. especially in the beginning, I'm sure you don't need a lot of staff and stuff to accommodate. And obviously, if you do need that much stuff to accommodate, that means you're making that much money, not to mention you're just bringing regular customers to your establishment. So if they like it, maybe on a Tuesday night, they're going to show up over there to have a couple of drinks. So, uh, yeah, I think it's like if you sell it well, I would think in most cases it should be kind of like beneficial to like both sides. Uh, Was building the numbers a challenge or, you know, through word of mouth, did that build up pretty fast for you over there?
1: No, it's never really a challenge. challenge. And especially considering Liverpool and where they're at right now, I don't think in any area you go, it would really be a challenge to become official and get those first 15 to 25 paid members to LFC. um, So you can... You know put them on a ledger and send them into uh, the application uh, process with the club i don't think numbers are really ever an issue um like i've heard some other people talk about and i know me and you have kind of broached it before that people have to realize that this is kind of like a second job slash hobby that you have to make time for i mean you put in hours through the week to make these things work and it's not just creating events on social media um you know there's a lot of behind the scenes things a lot of us that become olscs also become nonprofits we you know not only partake in charities but i've seen other groups actually establish their own charities and do a lot of works through that and the behind the scenes things there liverpool can help you a little bit with they provide templates So uh, if you are going to become an official supporters club, they will provide you with a template and say, okay, this is what your bylaws need to look like. This is what your leadership structure should kind of resemble. Here's something that you can fill out a little bit in your own wording. But, you know, we had stuff where we ran through, you know, our legal guys. Um, we've got guys in our group that are lawyers, and luckily, some of them were looking for pro bono work. So when we were drawing up our charter, our constitution, our bylaws, we would feed them this information and they would edit, edit us for free. You know, with stuff that we they would usually charge like, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks an hour for. So again, it's it's all, all that networking really pays off. You're out there, you're talking to people, you're on social media, you're getting together. You're inviting people to your home. I mean, you know, there were times when we were in our early stages that my house was the place that we'd meet to watch games or somebody else's house was or some random place. But in all that sharing and all that bonding and all that engagement, you're building relationships. Like, I can't tell you how many times, like, whether it's expats from Britain who now live here or people who have just come to nashville where from wherever or nashville natives and they just say i can't believe you guys are doing this here without this group you know you know i would have you know kind of less going on i mean look at the friendships we build i mean we're out there doing barbecues with these guys taking canoe trips making vacation plans it becomes your family it becomes you know part of your inner circle and it becomes this giant network like i keep talking about so I think building relationships is one of those uh, big things. The numbers will come if you put the time in and you've got the right people who are out there just, you know, out there for the love of the game. Like I said before, I mean, people who know me will know that I'm more along the lines of, you know, uh, I I don't want to be saying like I'm the asshole of the group, but. (laughs) Did I get the wrong guy? Hold on. (laughs) It's just, it's just that I'm, I'm kind of, I'm myopic at times to where I've got tunnel vision I think things should be a certain way Um, you know whether it's fandom or just being around the group or whatever I can be kind of heavy-handed in my thoughts so sometimes I just need to take a step back and look back at you know kind of all the things that we've created and all the great people that we've met through here and just say you know We're doing this because we want to get the good name of Liverpool out there. We want to get the great and beautiful game of soccer out into the world. So as long as you keep talking to those people and having those, you know, uh, having those uh, relationships being built, you know, you're going to succeed. I just want people to know that there is work behind the scenes. You know, you've got to establish a leadership group. You've got to give certain jobs out. You've got to be able to delegate. You've got to be able to communicate. And in these this day and age where, you know, it's all about inclusivity and political correctness and things like that, sometimes the soccer world and PC culture kind of collide, and you've got to find a way to navigate that. And when you're dealing with so many different kind of individuals, like I said, I'm putting myself on, you know, that kind of constrained side of things to where i know i need to you know govern how i am around people whether it's like screaming at the tv when we're out at the bar or just dealing with people i mean i have little things that i hate like i hate uh oh when the reds go marching in i cannot stand that chant and that's (laughs) like a chant that 95 percent of american liverpool fans know and they recite but i cannot stand that chant because it just resonates with me that spurs saints any other club that is that is not our club song when i went to boston and we did the spring tour this past summer i mean that was the song most sung at fenway and it kind of killed me in a sense like here i am standing up in the fenway outfield trying to find one person to sing poor scouser tommy with me and i can't find one but again it's about taking in it's not about me it's not about me it's not about how i view things and how things should be you know we're about again growing the club so sometimes i just need to kind of take a step back and say okay this was our vision in the beginning this is where we want to go and these are the decisions that need to be made and like we've said before sometimes you're sacrificing things you're sacrificing creativity when you're in official Liverpool Supporters Club. You gotta use the design in so many ways. You can't have this scarf say this, it's gonna be approved by the club. You can't make a t-shirt that says that. You've gotta act a certain way when you're out at Liverpool sanctioned events. Or you could be called into question, you know? I mean, my position as vice president could be called into question if I'm seen as doing something that could be a disservice to the club. So with the good come the bad, But like I said, with all this, with all we've been through and all where we want to go, I would highly recommend that if you find a group of people in an area that would like to connect with the club and connect with the community and continue to grow the brand, grow the sport, and just start being engaged and having those great times with more and more people and finding more and more friends more family members and more people that you can just like i said go through the good times and the bad with to me that makes it all worth it and my stupid little sacrifices and my little things that you know kind of drive me up on a wall they can all be swept to the side and we can figure out how to you know just party on
0: And I think that's the thing is sometimes it feels almost thankless, I'm sure, because there's a lot involved and not everybody realizes how much is involved behind the scenes. I mean, you know, it's not like suddenly everybody appears at a bar and happens to be watching the game at the same time. There's a lot of work that kind of brings it to that point. Maybe not a lot of work goes into that specific game, but to bring it to that point, it's almost like, you know, throughout you know, you take so many steps to get it to that point. But at the, at the end, I think, you know, like you were talking about, just creating that community is where you get the reward. Uh, and, like, you know, the friendships you make and, you know, like people with a common cause kind of getting together, you know, following the Reds, growing the Reds, talking about the Reds to the new fans and, like, you know, basically gaining more fans for the club at the same time. Uh, what, and as you guys are growing, like, at one point – what was the point that you guys said it's time to make this official, was that a difficult decision or be, to be able to connect closer with the club, is it kind of like a no-brainer for
1: you guys? No, like I said, most of our problems with becoming an official club were centered around creativity. We had already made scarves when we were unofficial. We had already had t-shirts when we were unofficial. We had already had good-sized groups come out when we were unofficial, and we had fun. Selfishly for me, having done a lot of the US tours and been to St. Louis, been to Baltimore, been to Boston and Charlotte, and just had so many good times meeting with other OLSCs, networking with them, Uh, and knowing that they were getting to go to team meet and greets, getting to have access to, uh, you know, signed memorabilia and things if they wanted to do um, charity work, Um, knowing that they had access to legends if they wanted to bring legends over and do some kind of party, Um, having access to tickets and ticket allocations and having a direct line to the club to kind of give your feedback um selfishly because i knew i was part of the core and knew that i would make my way onto this executive board and have access to that it was a very easy decision to me uh for me to make because i wanted to put the work in to get closer to my club um you know i'm sitting here in a room that's you know probably 150 250 square feet and it's all decked out in flags and scarves and framed pictures of Robbie Fowler and Daniel Agger and stupid stuffed Jordan Henderson dolls and pillows. And I mean, this is an obsession. People spend a lot of money on this stuff. People spend a lot of time on this stuff. And for me, it was super easy because we've got a lot of guys in our core that are just as obsessed as I am, if not more, And we're looking to find those individuals, get them out of their own homes, bring them to an establishment, have a couple beers, and not only talk about, you know, why we think, uh, you know, Virgil van Dyke is the best Premier League defender ever, but eventually you just start talking about their lives. And it's just, I mean, I've just heard so many good stories and forged so many good you know if not friendships but just bonds with people over this stupid soccer club that i couldn't imagine my life without it and i wanted to do that for other people so to be able to share that and say okay guys if we do this this and this look at all this stuff we could do and not only could we do all that stuff i've talked about earlier When there is a U.S. tour and they're looking at places to build, uh, to bring the team, we show them that we got this going on and we put in the infrastructure and the leadership and the time to have this bar and this network. And we've already got this stadium and this club and this town that has shown that it loves international football, whether it's through, uh, you know, the American Gold Cup deals or the other international um, Champions Cup things that Charlie Stilitano does. I mean, this town lives and breathes soccer. And for me, I want it to live and breathe red soccer. I I want us to be, you know, the foremost supporters club, not only in the South, but in the country. And that's my goal. So again, it was always a very selfish decision from my standpoint. Um, You know, I, I could care less about whether or not we get a scarf design you know turned down by the club because the fonts off or you know the color doesn't match or we can't put this with this or this um it's just about getting closer to the club and getting people to fall in love the way i did but you know i understand that we got to try and make it sustainable and the only way to do that was to go through the official process get our names On the Liverpool website get our names out there on every other thing that we could and we're seeing the results of that I mean you were talking earlier about being in a restaurant um, and you know kind of butting up against college games and NFL games but I mean I love seeing people walk up the stairs and looking like what the hell are these people yelling at at 9 and 10 in the morning you know how are they being so loud and singing these songs you know for all this time what is going on upstairs and when you're in a big college town like we are it's 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 great we're kind of you know showing them how how to be passionate about a sport and, but you know kind of how to you know enjoy it in the right way along with as many people as you can and just kind of you know loving the good and you know you know partying off the bad if you can so I think that's the biggest thrill for me is having people come from out of the country from Liverpool from South Africa from India wherever and just kind of coming and visiting and saying how do you do this in Nashville how do you do this in you know the south how do you create this atmosphere and it's it's just something we take a lot of pride in but you know again we couldn't be where we're at without taking that next step in saying, okay, we need to organize. Let's put a structure in place. We've got the people. We've got the time. We've got the wherewithal. With Liverpool's help and all our networking, we can do it. And, you know, we've done it. And now it's just time to, again, take it to another level. You know, we need to get more involved in the community, kind of get out there a little bit, get more involved with some charity work and, um, you know, take this town by storm uh do you guys do any of those right now
0: in terms of like charity work i mean aside from like obviously like game days are there any other things that the supporter club organizes at the moment
1: we've done some things in the past with canned food drives for um second harvest food banks here in nashville it's a great cause that we all kind of like and whether we've chipped in in our professional and business careers or you know just kind of on the side um there's, there's a lot of great charities here to partner with. Last year, we partnered with a local charity founded by a supporters club of Nashville SC, that MLS team, again, here in Nashville. Uh, their supporters club called the Roadies started a foundation called Soccer for the Nations. And it's a lot of the same things that we love, building soccer love in the community and building a love for the sport at the grassroots level getting kids the you know equipment they need to play uh, play ball and organizing events to teach them about the sport and things like that. So we've done some charity drives with them before, and we've got some things that were coming up on the horizon that we want to put together. Um, we've got you know uh, co-ed soccer teams in uh, leagues around here. We've done matches against other supporters clubs like the Manchester United, uh, group from Middle Tennessee. Um, so we've done some things out there, but like I said, with only being official the last year or so, it's really starting to take shape now. We're starting to apply to become a nonprofit as well with the state. So that's going to help us in a lot of the areas uh, we want to do. Um, you know, more fundraising, of course, uh, partnering with the club, and then seeing how we can build from there. But we're starting to take some really good steps. Like I said, we've got the leadership and the uh, networking in place to do it. Um, got a bunch of ideas, so we're, we're ready to run with them. And uh, just can't wait to you know keep doing more things and keep doing more things like this with groups outside of Nashville and partnering with other OLSCs and other uh, American Reds to see how else we can impact our local communities and our national communities.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest. I mean, I've talked to uh, throughout these podcasts or setting up the podcast or through American Scouts around like our Facebook group. I talked to a lot of like supporter clubs and I for a supporter club that's only been around for like, you know, official for a year. Uh, you guys are actually like extremely active and looks like there's like rapid growth. So, I mean, kudos to you guys. Sounds like, you know, everything is kind of on the up and up. Um Anything else you would want to share or any suggestions or tips that you would want to give or like to Reds fans out there who want to be involved in their like local sport clubs or want to start their own?
1: Yeah, like I said, there is a little bit of sacrifice um, with becoming official quote official. and I know there are some clubs out there that have gone official. Seen the work put in or gone official and then had maybe a, a negative uh, experience with the club, you know, not approving a certain design or not letting them have a website name or something because, you know, we, we see this take place now with the trademarks of Liverpool and it and it kind of throws a divide uh, to, you know, a lot of us out there. We, we don't know how to feel when... A club that we love is being run like a business, um, and and it's sad, but it's true. It's one of these things that we've got to deal with. But I want to think that the Liverpool spirit, the Shankly spirit, the Paisley spirit, the things that we attach ourselves to back in when we think about the glory days of Liverpool and what it all means and what it means to be a Red and to be Scouse. We have to look at where we want everything to go. And I think there are other groups out there that, you know, they've they've got a vision and they've got a destiny and that's totally fine. My point of view is the things that we've sacrificed far, far do not outweigh the things that we have gained. When you're talking about visibility, you're talking about access, you're talking about, you know, uh, silly little things like merchandise, access to legends, the possibility of having Liverpool come to your town and then being engaged in that whole process where you're help setting up these events, you're helping the club to do this, that and the other. Um, you know if anybody who has ever bet out on these uh, USA tours will know that there's a lot of work that goes into it and sometimes I think as fans we want to kind of say hey man there were little hiccups here like you know you guys were late to this event you said we were gonna get this and this and this but we got to realize that Again, there there are a lot of things in play. There are always a lot of things in play. And if you just take the time to figure out, you know, what is your end goal? What is your vision? Who are you trying to reach? And what are you trying to do? All of that will become clear. And I don't really care where anybody, you know, kind of ends up on that whole spectrum because there are a lot of great informal supporters clubs all around the world, all around America, that have a huge voice once you go on these tours. And it's funny, I know we were talking earlier about how you found Chicago, but when you go on these tours and you go to these big cities like Boston, Charlotte, uh, Baltimore, uh, Notre Dame, Michigan, LA, wherever, a lot of times when you go out to those tours, you meet groups from smaller cities that are bringing out much bigger numbers than those big cities like, The LFC Raleigh guys, LFC Atlanta, uh, the guys in New Haven, Connecticut, and all over. There's these groups that you wouldn't think that you would find massive reds, but those are the guys that you you build some great bonds with, you have some great times with, you end up trading scarves with you know shout out to anybody that wants a nashville scarf if you want to trade one for one we're here for you we love putting up scarves and supporter scarves all over our bar and would do that with anybody but as far as what it takes to be official you might sacrifice a little privacy you might sacrifice a little creativity you might have to put in some real work and get a structure and be able to delegate some work to others in your group but if you're already doing those things I mean a lot of us are already doing those things and we don't even realize it. And I'm sorry to drown on drown, I'm sorry to go on about, you know, the networking aspect of it, but we do this and we don't even realize it. So, I would just say to anybody, just once you get that core group together, reach out to these other clubs, reach out to us, reach out to uh, American Scouts and just just try to figure out what you want to do. And everybody will help you get there. We've got groups coming up now in Tennessee, and we're we're about to reach our fourth official group of Tennessee. I mean, come on, it's it, it's absolutely insane some of the organic growth growth I've seen out of this country and out of football support in general. And uh, we just keep making this uh, country red, and we'll force these Manx and these uh, Blues fans to the back seat, and we'll show them what to do.
0: And I think, I mean, you're right. I think the weird thing about that is, you know, when you talk about like networking and like the drive to kind of like expand the numbers, I think sometimes when like the larger cities, it almost comes a bit more easier. So there's not as much of an effort or the effort is more uh, in terms of like keeping things organized and stuff like that. Whereas I find that in smaller towns, there is more of like an organized effort to network and keep growing that actually pays off. And those groups ending end up being even larger than like a big city group, like you were saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's just about, you know, getting the word out and getting it organized. I think like one thing that you touched on, I think that's like the biggest thing. Uh, I think we're constantly doing it. But in terms of, like, doing it organized, sharing the jobs, and kind of, like, delegating to certain tasks so that it's being done organized as opposed to kind of, like, randomly uh, just networking over social media, uh, that's kind of, like, slowly builds. But I think networking, using the people – I mean, as you network and get more people in these groups, and I find throughout, like, the blog and podcast as well, that, you know, everybody has a unique skill set, and they can use that to help you grow even further – and, you know, sounds like you guys are definitely on the right track. And I mean, like I say, it's very inspiring to hear you talk about the group. I can tell you have like a huge passion for making uh, things bigger. So, Chris, thanks for joining us. Uh, it was great having you on. And uh, it will be on our website as well under your guys, Nashville group, uh, including your social media links and stuff like that. So if anybody has questions, comments, wants to join you guys for a beer and a Reds beating of another team, uh, they can go out to our website and like find the link there. Chris, thanks again for joining us.
1: Hey, man, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time and thank you for listening to me kind of go on and ramble for a bit. It's been a pleasure. You take care. Thank you.